Welcome to day 299 of Shape by the Word, and we only regret that we will not be with you this weekend for day 300, which <laughs> is such a, such a nice milestone all the way through. Just a reminder that we do have Psalms you know, in the reading plan for you to read on uh, both Saturday and Sunday or to take both of the Psalms together and read them on any one of those days. And of course, we do look forward to uh, Singing in worship on Sunday and being part of you know God's community, which has been such a rich blessing after so many months of uh, of, of gathering awkwardly outside, inside, online, and all the ways that we have gathered. So we're so grateful for the body of Christ and so grateful uh, for the opportunity to uh, uh, read with you, even through a, a podcast. But more than that, just to worship and encourage each other in person. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and with Matt Kresge, and we finished the book of James. We've gone through the book of James all too quickly. Uh, It is a book that we should read again and again and read very slowly because James is very pointed in his application. And it's easy for us, you know, to think of James as as a book that only stresses application, but he's given us the deep theology of knowing that the Word of God has been planted in us, is able to save us, and continues its work in us, and through it, we have been born again. Through it, we see ourselves, and as we see ourselves, we humble ourselves and, 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 and turn to the grace of God to be transformed. And so he does challenge the idolatries of our time in such a poignant way. And so we come to James chapter 5, and uh, James will not let up. So we finish just as we begin uh, with very strong challenges to the way that we see the world and the way we respond to the world and how it should be shaped by what he calls the perfect law that brings with it freedom. Uh, It's not a bondage to do the things that God has called us to do. It's a great freedom to know his heart and to do his will. So before we uh, read chapter 5, Matt, why don't you lift us up with the word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come expectant uh, to your word, asking that you would meet us here and and uh, deal with us as, as you see fit. Father, we thank you for the grace that we do have in Christ Jesus, for the ability to be able to read your word together, um, to, to share in the grace that we have. And so, Father, we ask that you would um, use it. In our, in our hearts, in our minds, our affections stir us um, towards a, a deeper love for you. Um, God, would this time be glorifying to you. Uh, fill us with wisdom as we read. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. James chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people, weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and your silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you fail to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not oppressed, opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we can as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. 
All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner away from their error of their way will save themselves from death and will cover a multitude of sin. James um, does as he has tended to do, you know, to address those who are fluent. And, of course, it's very easy for us, you know, when we think of those who are fluent to think of, you know, somebody who has just a little bit more, you know, than we do. But we are deeply affluent people, you know, those of us who, who live, you know, in this part of the country, who live in this part of the city. Uh, we, we, we have means that we never thought we would have, and we have wealth we never thought we would have, and, and, and certainly... You know, there is the conviction that we do, as he's already challenged us in other places, consume all of it on our comfort and our pleasures, you know, rather than being what, you know, God originally called us to do, to be blessed in order to be a blessing to those, you know, those around us. And so he kind of finishes on some of the same notes he started with, patience and suffering, uh, and uh, also humbling ourselves and our high position uh, knowing that our possessions neither commend us to God nor will they, nor are they eternal. Mm-hmm. This passage reminds me, you know, first part of chapter five, it just uh, of kind of these great reversals we see all throughout Scripture. Where yeah. even you know Matthew um, records it in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, where Jesus says, you know, where is your treasure? You know, if you place your treasure in heaven, where neither you know moths nor vermin nor you know rust destroy or in this case, you have James reminding us that you know our wealth will rot, moths will have eaten our clothes, gold and silver are corroded, you know. The, and at the end of the day, it's it's coming back to that same kind of theme of where Jesus says, is "Where have, what are we doing with you know our money?" Because more importantly, it reveals our heart, and the question then becomes like, "Where is our treasure?" And he even asked that question, you know, of us kind of in a different way. He says, "You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, yeah, it's 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 not so much a." a you know, he's not condemning them in this moment that, you know, hey, you have clothes. It's this has become your treasure, and look what lasts. You know, it's, it's all faded away. No, and you, you hear, you know, of course, you always hear, we've, we've alluded this from the beginning when you read James, you hear, uh, you hear, hear the wisdom in your literature of the Old Testament, you hear the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, you hear, you know, the law, the Torah of the Old Testament coming through, but more than anything else, you hear, the teaching of Jesus, and of course, he's reflecting, you know, the very same, you know, the very same thing, and, and the language is so, uh, you know, so similar. I can't remember; it might have been you that said it, but some someone I've heard say that you know the problem with the the wealth and those things is not that we have too much of it, but it has too much of us, mm-hmm. you know, and and that really is. I mean, I see it in this passage, and I see it in my own life that, you know, it's I like 
I like this. I like the stuff I have. And there's no doubt. But it has too much of an attachment mm-hmm. of me. Yeah, and that, and that's you know, and, and of course James has already told us you know, and, and you know, friendship with the world is enmity with God, and that's what he means. Friendship with the world is finding our meaning and our purpose and our enjoyment and fulfillment in the things of the world. And, and of course, these are common graces that God has. You know, Paul tells us he's given us everything for our enjoyment if received with thanksgiving. But you know, those, uh, uh, you know, those small graces sometimes become uh you know bigger than the the larger grace that he's mm-hmm. called us you know to live in and uh they become idolatries and so that is you know i'm i don't think i said that but i'll gladly take credit for having <laughs> that's a great quote that. yeah, that great yeah thank you so much so somebody tweet that out real quick yeah i'm gonna yeah. get that out yeah. just right okay it's sent no i mean I'm kind of like reading this first chapter, the first paragraph. I'm like, well, tell me how you really feel, James. You know, like he just comes so right out of the gate and it's so convicting. I suppose it's just the idea of, Matt's mentioned this line already, but you have hoarded wealth in the last days. And thinking about Christ and his call to seek first the kingdom and to lay up treasure in heaven. And in thinking how we use our wealth, even if we're listening and we don't feel wealthy, just how we use what we've been given to steward, the resources we've been given, even if it's month to month, how are we using, how are we viewing those things in light of the kingdom, in light of Christ's calling? And, and I would hate for it to be said that I just used it to live on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. Uh, fattening yourself. Yeah, for the day of slaughter. Day of slaughter. Yuck. I'm trying to lose some pounds too, so that's really convicting <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. No, it, 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 it is uh, now deeply, you know, deeply convicting. Verse 7, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. You know, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Yeah, and I mean, it's so hard in our day and age to be patient and, and to really, I think, view at the time, view well, that the Lord's you know, coming is near. And that is, you know, and that, that's um, often a big difference between you know, we pursue immediate gratification whether than rather than the lasting gratification that comes from knowing and doing God's will and of course James has warned us you know from the outset of his letter that uh, knowing and doing God's will uh, comes to us in all kinds of trials mm-hmm. and receiving those trials you know with the grace you know that builds us up in those trials and of course that's what he's talking about again you know to be patient you know, for the ultimate harvest, to set our affections on, you know, things that uh, may not be fully realized in the moment, uh, rather than things that are only momentary in, in the pleasure that they bring to us. And what a great perspective he gives us in that. You know, in our culture, there's really not a thing called patience. Everything is now and immediate, and it needs to be here in two days or less, and everything's so quick. But he's saying, man, part of being a disciple, though, is, is kind of learning here, like, this is going to take time, this is going to take patience. This is going to take mm-hmm. endurance, which is often not my perspective in, in life, but even in the things concerning the gospel and the things concerning the kingdom, that a lot of these things are going to take time. And we're, I'm just not a patient guy so often. No, we're, we're not. And then you look at, you know, you look at verse you know 13, is anyone among you in trouble that they should pray? Is anyone happy? They should respond to God in praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders. In other words, Whatever you're experiencing, the appropriate you know the appropriate expression of that experience is to turn back to God. When I'm in trouble, you know I pray, and when I'm 
joyous, you know, and uh, I give thanks, you know, to the Lord. And when I'm sick, I turn to those around me and ask them, you know, to pray with me. And I look, you know, for that and that. And that uh, we can also confess our sins to one another, uh, you know, so that we may be healed. And, of course, we're not only talking about physical healing, you know, that will come as the kingdom does come. One day we will be made whole. And many times God in the moment, you know, chooses to make us whole as a sign of his grace. But the, the deeper spiritual healing that, you know, comes from confessing our sin and being made right with God. I love his connection, too, in verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. You know, just the connection be- between prayer and faith. And, and you could even say, you know, if you reversed it, you know, and I think what James is doing here somewhat is, is saying, you know, our lack of prayer is is a display of our lack of faithfulness, you know, or our lack of faith. And and I, I think of so many times in my own life where I find just prayerlessness. Right. It's, it's because I think that I don't, I don't need these <clears throat> things. I yep. can do it myself. I can accomplish it. Because we actually fall back in chapter 4 where we're saying, you know, today and tomorrow I'm going to do this and this and yeah. this and this, and I've got it all under control and everything's going exactly according to the plan. Uh, you know, God, if you want to check in with me from time to time, that's cool, but otherwise I've got it. Oh, yeah. And uh, so our prayer does, you know, our, our, our trials humble us and bring us right. into the presence of God, and our prayers invite him. You know, to be present in our trials, uh, whether it's the sickness or the trouble, uh, you know, that we're talking about. Yeah, verse 13, I think, in my life and in our culture is, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them fix it themselves. You know, <laughs> let them figure it out. And then well, that, <laughs> that is the one place where we're likely to pray. When we get really in trouble. Really in trouble, I mean, though. when you're yeah, really, a little trouble, really in trouble. We'll fix them. And this one's so bad that it's yeah. slipped so far out of my control. God help! Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than realizing our need, you know, and needing this in every day, and of course, you know, the, our lack of prayer is is a conviction. Yeah. Uh, our prayer is, is is a place where we take our cares to God and cast all of our cares on Him because He cares for us. In the words of Peter, and of course, our lack of prayer is uh, our confidence in ourselves and our ability uh, to do you know to do these kind of things you know for ourselves. Yeah. It's so counterintuitive for us. You know, it's anything among you broken, let them check YouTube. You know, I mean, we let, let them seek something <laughs> else. That's just you younger guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. yeah. But what, it, I mean, the, uh, the reminder, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, not simply because the righteous person can will it to happen, but because of the one who has made them righteous and who continues to hear the prayers. And, of course, you know, those challenges are often uh, – you know Calvinistic framework. Yeah. You know we we often say, well, God's sovereign, and you know our involvement is not going to you know change anything. But we need to understand that He's you know appointed the means of grace as well by which He accomplishes will, and that's part of that is is our prayer, mm-hmm. and it does make a it does make a difference, and uh, we are called out of simple obedience uh, to pray. David, why don't you uh, close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this this wonderful book. Um, thank you so much for all the the wisdom and and the truth here. But thank you so much more for pointing us to where this wisdom comes from, and and we know it comes from you. And so may we be a people who are humbly dependent on you, uh, people who, when in trouble, that we do go pray, um, and may we patiently endure the trials of our lives um, and we know that you're at work in them and so we thank you for that reminder and father we love you we thank you for christ 
who is at work in our lives, transforming us and making us into his image and into his likeness. And so we thank you for James and how he shows us what that looks like um, as you're transforming us. May we be your people here in this place, in this time, for your glory. We pray this all in the name of Jesus.